0: This episode is brought to you by eJunkie. eJunkie, the Breaking Bad-themed, no-muss, no-fuss, shopping cart solution for the makers of the world. The makers who live in the world, not the people who make the world. Maybe you're an atheist. Now doesn't seem the time to go into it. eJunkie helps you turn your passion project into an online business with their easy-to-use e-commerce tools that support both digital downloads and tangible goods. Like drugs. Plus, eJunkie has the best support staff in the industry. Start using their lightweight, embeddable shopping cart today. Go to eJunkie.com and start selling. Click that link. Enter the promo code WRITERS, W-R-I-T-E-R-S, to get your 30-day free trial. First 30 days are free. That's how they get you. eJunkie. Now entering... Welcome to the Writer's Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner Ben Acker for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others, We've also written comics from Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so. Uh, And follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh yeah! Will you please do me a favor? Introduce yourselves on microphones so people know what your voices sound like.
1: Uh, I'm Larry Karazuski. This is Scott Alexander. Uh, Scott and Larry, thank you for being
0: here. You guys are the... Creators of the People vs. O.J. American Crime Story I have that
1: backwards Um, You have it correctly correctly. correctly. I mean for a while it was American Crime Story The People vs. O.J. Simpson I forgot the colon But I think to avoid confusion With the show American Crime It flipped to the people um, for Zoja Simpson. So, congratulations. These are kind on of fantastic show. details. <laughs> right. You're going to list, if you listen to the rest of this show, Inside we're going to tell you what, her what a colon business. is.
0: Uh, also, we were worried if people
2: tried to look up the show and started to type American, it would autofill Americathon. Right. Sure. <laughs> then they'd be reading about the Neil Israel film. Exactly. Right. Uh, which you guys are remaking? Is that true? Ooh. <laughs> Is that too soon to say that? Uh, we would, we would. Uh, to quote uh, Chief Dan George,
0: I gotta eat too. I gotta eat too. Wow. Um, like, here we go. People will also know your names. the rails. rails. That was fast. It's yeah. never happened that fast. Uh, people will also know your names for, from many other films, or many films, uh, including Ed Wood, Larry, People vs. Larry Flint part of your People Versus mm-hmm. series. yes. Um, Man on the Moon, Big Eyes, uh, among many others uh, that you guys have written. You've directed some films. Um, we're going to talk about all of it. Okay. But I want to start by talking about um, People vs. OJ, which uh, I was saying before we started rolling, I'm really enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the goal. <laughs> you did it. Listen, there's a lot of TV out there. Uh, and to make something so... Compelling. Uh, it's not an
1: easy task. Uh, well, it's funny. I, I, you know, yeah. the, the, the sort of it wasn't quite a question mark in your uh, uh, the way you said. It, I'm really enjoying <laughs> it, but but it is it is a theme that runs through a lot of our work. That that people really? are kind of you know they see the title and they are supr- they they then they hear it's good mm-hmm. but they're surprised they really like you're not re- I'm not really going to enjoy a movie about the guy who wrote who who came up with Husser magazine <laughs> uh, you know oh my god a movie about the worst filmmaker of all time is going to be too campy and too mm-hmm. whatever and so uh, uh, a lot of times Scott and I joke that we take these projects on as a dare like you know <laughs> like all right like, like there could there could have been a really bad TV version of the mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson you know not the not the knock lifetime but there is that lifetime I mean I mean of the moon. Was literally a dare. Yes, because
2: <laughs> no, the no, beginning, because five years before Milos and Danny called us up, we had already discarded that project because it wouldn't work as a, as a movie. Really? So we right. had we had worked on it for a month, kicked the tires, and then said, "Forget it." Right?
0: Was it? Was that something you were brought in to
2: work on? No, no, no was well, that something was, it was, it was something on our out? on our own. Oh, we yeah. were going to do, and then we said, "You can't make a movie out of Andy." But then when they called us up, we thought, "Well, oh, shit, Danny's," you know. Best Producer in Town, and Melish has two Oscars, and
1: who are we to say? They're wrong. <laughs> right, right. But that also, meant, that wound up being a, uh, you know, we like to call our movies sometimes anti-biopics, mm-hmm. but that Man on the Moon is literally an anti-biopic, where you sort of know less about the person at the end of the movie than you knew at the beginning of the movie, where it's about a person who has no center. Mm-hmm. And so it, was, it is such a, it is a it is a postmodern work. So in a sense, we took our uh, misgivings about the project, which was, you know... You can't uh, figure him out. Yes, right. and turn that into the plot.
0: Interesting. Um, is there often... How do you guys go about finding that way in? Because it feels like, I mean, as much as you make these movies that are could be called biopics, they just seem more to me as, you know looks at a moment in time. Mm -hmm. You know, they're never... You guys haven't done a birth-to-death biopic, as far as I know.
2: Well, that's that's because we hate... those are terribly boring. (laughs) Yeah, we hate those.
0: Um,
2: I mean, mean, the fact that the movies are sort of a study of a slice of time is is just a a byproduct of the fact that we willingly try to cover as little time as possible Mm -hmm. because there's nothing worse than... The, having the you know crust on the old age makeup to the actor every wow. every fifteen pages, and, and and so we really really try to restrict the the period of time we're covering, mm-hmm. and we we basically say why are we telling this story? What's the key period in this person's life? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so the the the, the net result uh, is you know is you end up like with a really like you know cool vision of mid the mid seventies in Hollywood or yeah or or the mid fifties. Or you know what have you? Uh, I mean OJ is, is different in that I, I think it's the first one of our biopics that we where we didn't come in because we love one of the people, mm-hmm. and that every other biopic was oh my god Larry Flint is so interesting right oh my god Margaret life, Margaret Keene's life is crazy right and we want to spend two hours with this person. I mean the attraction of OJ was the big canvas yeah and yeah we we've got five or six or seven. Really interesting lead characters, but we've also got just yeah. themes, you know, falling out of our pockets, and and we and we've got so many larger ideas we could talk about, and the ten-hour canvas was. So much to play in, mm-hmm. right, and it, so it, it was it was it was that that big sprawling thing that attracted us,
1: yeah, no it was, it was the event rather than a person, yeah, in these other movies, it is the person or a central relationship, whether it 's Ed, Ed Wood and Bell Lugosi or you know uh, uh, but here was is that, that that we really looked at this uh, the trial as this, a pivotal moment in American history, uh pretty recent american history uh, and um, and when we had the opportunity to do it as, as a television thing, we totally. Jumped on it because mm-hmm. you know as a as a two-hour movie it really wouldn't work right. you know because it would just be it'd be just all the stuff you already know and it'd be the greatest, greatest hits thing and it would just be you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to go in depth. Which is I think the reason people are responding to this yeah. show is that we're really taking all the characters and all the themes really uh uh seriously, mm-hmm. you know even when we play them comically we're taking mm-hmm. we're taking them seriously, and so you were allowed to just you know spend an issue- spend an entire you know episode talking about Marsha Clark's issues yeah. you know uh, rather than just brushing them over and getting to the next highlight
0: that was that is yeah, but that episode is fascinating,
1: so <laughs> oh, but, yeah, but we it's but, something that was not really yeah particularly sure. yeah totally not the time at all yeah
2: i I mean but uh, Ordinarily, when we would jump into a biopic, we would have known off the bat the greatest hits of that person. Mm-hmm. But when we signed on, like three years ago, I mean, I don't think we knew. Oh yeah, uh, John D. had mentored Chris Darden in the yeah. in the DA's office. Oh, mm-hmm. Marsha Clark had filed for divorce three days before the killings. I mean, we did not know this going yeah. in. I mean, we certainly learned it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it was it was it was the big Charles Dickens sprawl that mm-hmm. attracted us. And then, I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's about it's about race in the LAPD. But then you go, wow, it's a, it's about the beginning of 24-hour news cycle. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it's about the beginning of reality television. Oh my God, it's about celebrity and fame, and and how uh, uh, if you're O.J. Simpson and, and you and you you have just f- fled from uh, turning yourself into the police, and you get pulled over on the freeway. The cops will let you go, even though they're they're actually looking for you. <laughs> but they won't do that if you're not OJ Simpson. Right. Uh, so the the then uh, the issues of of money and you know can you can you buy yourself an acquittal? Yeah, you probably can't. Um, you know the, the 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 gender issues, which nobody had ever talked about with Marsha. Yeah. Um, the socio economic issues that prosecutors
0: have it a lot harder than criminal defense lawyers because those guys have a lot more money and a lot more worker bees. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I mean, you talk about some of the films, and you sort of you can pinpoint that moment or that theme or that aspect of this character, and that's your way in. But when you look at something like this Dickensian story... Which, I, you know, I, I the scope of it, I think you're right, is what people are responding to. How do you well, start to well, I think, put that in order?
1: Well, I think what it is is... Uh, well, for it all took the, three years. Yeah, it took a long time. <laughs> the, um, you know, what we do overall, the, the thing that hasn't come with all the other projects is, I think Scott touched upon this, we ask that question, why... Why should you tell the story? Why Why will this person or this event be remembered? Mm-hmm. And you know, Larry Flint. It was he started hustler and he took the case to Supreme Court. And when you, once you answer that question, you sort of almost have an instant structure. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ed Wood. It was really you know that the, he made they you know, made the worst movie of all time, and he had this great relationship with the, with the aging. Star Bela Lugosi. So, right away, you sort of know the five or six years you want to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this event, you just, you know, you sort of say, why is, you know, why would this be remembered? And, you know, there isn't just one answer. It becomes all of those things that Scott is talking mm-hmm. about. So, so, having the, uh, uh, trying to organize all the material, um, we really went to kind of two approaches to do, um, uh, make sure that each episode had a certain theme. Mm-hmm. That had a certain you know uh, a certain main conflict, and also to uh, um uh, highlight the stuff that w- we didn't know. 's got touched upon details of of, of just um, you know things that 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 either you sort of forgot after twenty years or because you were caught up in watching it on TV at the time right. you weren 't thinking about what was going on uh, uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. you know uh, and 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 uh, and really really trying to get behind all these characters i mean when you watched these people on TV twenty years ago, you came away with a certain impression of them and he wanted to make them turn them back into human beings, you know, so that you know that yes, Johnny is uh, is that caricature of Johnny Cochran that you've you know they made fun of him okay. on Seinfeld and things like this. But he also really believed in in in, in what he was fighting about. Mm-hmm. The you know the uh, he really has a long record of uh, fighting uh, corruption and 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 uh, um, uh, you know uh, violence against African Americans by the LAPD. Yeah. You know, and so uh, and Chris Darden is a guy that you know he feels like he's in over his head and he's but he's actually a guy. Torn between between loyalties. And so the more we found out about these people the more interesting they became to us and and, and, uh, and we just started like saying, all right, th- this is gonna be, you know, about how each each episode had a real, real plot to it. In a sense we, we when we first thought about it, we thought about making a ten hour movie, but we really wound up I think making 10 one hour movies. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah, <clears throat> that, that and that's the, the thing, right? You guys hadn't worked in television no, before. I mean, I mean, that, yeah. that, was that a, becomes a tricky thing. It yeah. was a, it was a r-
2: really interesting learning curve. I mean, I mean, we we had two really great producing partners, Nina Jacobson and Brad Simpson, and hilariously, they hadn't worked in TV either. <laughs> so it was f- the four of us sort of bumbling around, and and, and we spent months just having these salons where we we'd, we would just talk for an afternoon about what it was what it must have been like for marcia as a woman and the only woman mm-hmm. of prominence on the case and um and, and uh and and we uh, i think we started off looking at it as a 10-hour movie and sort of saying okay well uh, episodes uh two and half of three are the first act and i mean <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, we just didn't we didn't know any better sure and, and at a certain point somebody, somebody at FX said to us, no, no guys, it's, it's, it's 10, hour, 10 one hour shows and you got to have a beginning, middle and end to each one of those hours. Interesting. And, uh, you, you know, you got to keep the, you got to have something crazy happen at the end that makes people come back <laughs> next week. And, and so then we, then we have this, this, this idea that Larry was saying about what, what is, what is the big idea each week? And, um, I, that was that was sort of helpful as an as an organizing tool because the, you know the trial went on for over a year mm-hmm. and uh that's a lot a lot of information we wanted to pack in even with even with 10 hours yeah you know but 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 once you have an organizing principle which is okay episode five is is going to be about the race card mm-hmm. okay episode six is going to be about Marsha's struggles you know, then suddenly we would say, "Oh wow, well, this is this is great event that happened in, in this month, and then this great event that happened two months later." Well, what if? Okay, what if this is going to be an episode where we're going to sort of like barrel through three or four months mm-hmm. of the trial, right? And and you know, and then in other in other episodes, it's going to slow down to a crawl. Um, you know, episode nine, which we're really proud of, is the Mark Furman tapes, and mm-hmm. it's it's all about that. And so it's covering just a, a small piece of of the, of the trial, uh, and, we, and we try to be really good about not cheating the events in, in terms of the, the trial chronology. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was you know it was a billion pages of transcript yeah. to keep track of, uh, but I, I think I think we were pretty good about always going in a straight line.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems like you once you had this opportunity to sort of zoom in and zoom out yeah. on the yeah. thematic elements or the right. character elements, then. It, started, it structurally at least give you some foothold in this. Uh, I heard an interview with you guys where you talked about in addition to the Tubin book, which is you know ostensibly the basis for yes. the show. What do you mean? You guys sensibly. read everything. Well you read everything. Yes, yes but, <laughs> yeah.
2: But Jeff's book is our is our primary source. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, That's the primary source. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jeff's book is terrific. And it really it's, it's more the um uh you know a lot of the uh, the attitude of Jeff's book comes mm-hmm. to uh you because know, Jeff is uh, uh, very simpatico to us and that he likes to find these little tiny details mm-hmm. that sort of like make you say, Hmm, what? <laughs> and then but also mm-hmm. illustrate plot and character at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, Jeff loves irony yeah <laughs> um, we... and he also also his book uh is 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 more about how you know that we, what we jumped onto was you know sort of like why did the verdict come mm-hmm. this way yeah, and andual and, yeah is really they said like why did these people come back with a not guilty verdict mm-hmm. uh, um and uh, so that was very interesting us but that being said, we read everything i mean every single person involved in this case wrote. Two books, three books. You yeah, know,
2: there was a major industry. Yes, even Oji wrote books.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course, yeah. it's kind of bizarre. I mean, the <laughs> jurors wrote books. That's right. You know, the jurors yeah. wrote many books. Yes. <laughs> so it was one of those. And then there's all these think books, like you know Vincent Bugliosi and mm-hmm. people like that. And then you have all the transcripts, and you have all the, all the you know the footage from the trial itself. Yeah. And so you just you know it becomes headache-inducing. And it, what happens also, it's so the scope is so big that you learn it and then you go write an episode, and then you've sort of f- forgotten what the next episode, <laughs> right. you know, so you really, we really, like, we rarely use uh, researchers or anything like that to help us on, on our other projects, because mm-hmm. for us, you know, writing a movie like Ed Wood, it really has to just be in our heads. Mm-hmm. All this stuff has to really be in our heads. This was too big to be just in our heads, and so we, you know, we definitely had, uh, we, we had a, a, a Tim Britton, who was a, a, our assistant on the, on the project, and he was down the hall, and, and any given time would be us, us just yelling down the hall, Tim! <laughs> What kind of car did Johnny drive? Is that stuff like that?
2: Or, or we would, what would really make us crazy, was we would half remember a really, really cool anecdote. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, oh yeah, the the, the story with Shapiro, with Shapiro in, in, in the restaurant. Where did we see that? Yeah. Oh wow. And then it's just something we had read eighteen months earlier somewhere, right?
1: right. And, and, and and so like, the, uh, Tim's job for, for three years was just to keep. Every factoid, and then and then even after all the stuff was written, you'd have to prove to the Fox lawyers that this stuff was true. So then you have to go through. Then you it have again. to remember again. Oh, remember wow. again. There a <laughs> yeah. So my brain is literally <laughs> I'm fried. I'm, I'm lucky that I can actually put together a sentence.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, a, a lot of the legal vetting was can you can you prove he's said this? Mm-hmm. So we're saying, oh well, no, of course we can't prove he said that on that day in that room to right. that person. But if you go back to this interview he gave to the Washington Post, and he he had a philosophy and an attitude, and this right. these two lines of dialogue are our distillation of what he was thinking in that right. time period, and, and, that, and that's sort of how we work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we were we were, we were right. not in those rooms back in 1995.
1: <laughs> right, right. I mean, even the courtroom stuff, you know, which you but but mm-hmm. you're taking um uh, you're taking week long testimony. And turning it into a, a, a two-minute scene. Yeah. So, and that's more than and just a scene that
0: has to be dramatic It
1: has to move the story. Correct. Has and has to and correct. Totally. Totally. So, so yes, you are going through the the freaking uh, week long transcript and saying, "Oh, that's a good line for Sheck, Oh, that's a good line right. for this. And so these, these 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 are sort of good things. They don't really connect. How do they connect? And mm-hmm. how do you make it? How do you make it an actual scene that propels the story forward and makes all the points that you want to make?
2: And then also, I mean, Larry and I are, have just a total fetish for sort of backstage process, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, we can show you what was on Court TV, but we think it's more fun to go back into Ito's chambers and mm-hmm. Have him and Marcia and and, and and Shapiro all
1: yelling at each other.
0: Yeah. yeah, like yeah, that the courtroom stuff is out there. You can yeah. you, you know. can watch that movie. Then, exactly. then, people, then, I think
1: and people and are surprised how little courtroom there is. I mean that there. Yeah. I mean there is a oh, lot. They're, of, they're gonna get it. They're gonna they're to get a courtroom. <laughs> they're they gonna show up. But that being said, I think even even when it does show up, it's not a. It winds up not being uh, you know a regular courtroom. Mm-hmm.
2: Drama. I'm 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 well, I'm, I'm glad I, I I won an uh, an argument in, in episode four where they go they go into oh god now it's all blurred. Is <laughs> an arraignment. It's just, it's, we've been on this for, so, for so freaking long, and everyone and and they're and they're fighting over OJ's hair, and it's not Ito because Ito hasn't been assigned yet, mm-hmm. and everyone was just yelling at me, it's just like just make it <laughs> Ito. Who ca- No one cares. No one remembers. Right. right. But it's sort of like no, we we got to We got to get all these weird details right, and I'm happy to have the audience go, who's that? Right. <laughs>
0: Why isn't the Judge Edo up there? Well, right. there are, there are weird details that, and all all that
2: process, there, right. I think, is now really interesting to people that they're sort of seeing the the, <laughs> the building blocks of the
1: trial, right? Well, that's that's that. very important. That's very central to our work. I think is that is that sort of no pretrial hearing. Sorry, not arraignment.
2: <laughs> I got it wrong. Sorry, folks.
0: Is, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while.
1: I'm tired. <laughs> is that sense of of, of process? As as plot in a weird way that mm-hmm. that that I think the mistakes that a lot of biographies make is manifest destiny. that mm-hmm. they think that because this is the this is how it ends up, that that's the only way it could have mm-hmm. happened. And but the way you show that there's a thousand different ways that the, that the story could have could have could have gone astray or, or stayed on track or whatever is by showing all the little bits and pieces of like, oh, there was a judge before Judge Ito. Yeah. Well then, Judge Ito got picked, and what? And then what was the ramifications of that? It was, you know, a lot of people, for example, would have probably had Chris Darden on the team right from the start. Mm-hmm. But we thought, like, wow, this is really interesting. Like Chris Darden wasn't a part of the team. Damn. He not only wasn't a part of the team, he wasn't even working on the same floor. He was even he was actually even thinking of quitting. That's really like he really He's actually w- reading the one ads, <laughs> circling <the> teaching jobs. <laughs> yeah, when the trial started. So yeah. you know, for us, that's like, oh, wait a second. Then how did he? How did he get there?
0: Well, I think I mean this is something you guys do so well over and over, I mean, in Ed Wood and Larry Flynn and all these movies that we love that you've made and you do it again here, is the accumulation of details, okay. right, is what makes for the interesting story. And it's part of that zooming in and making small moments big. Right. You know, I think that it doesn't always feel like big drama, but, but you're giving it the weight of big drama. Right, like yeah, yeah. From the outside, it may not look that way, but, but it, it watching the show and watching these movies, it really feels that way. I want to ask uh, sort of a nuts and bolts question uh, on OJ specifically. As you're starting to pull these threads together and you're discovering details and stories and uh, all this stuff, what, what, is it, what does working together look like? <laughs> uh, do you use a board? Do you sit in the same room? Like how how does it what does uh, a day look like? I, I, well, it's not a, it's not really an OJ question. Well, specifically on this show, or is this show typical of all the stuff you guys? Well,
2: about? well, it, it got different because we uh, eventually hired a, a staff, right? Um, I mean, but I, you know, for thirty years, Larry and I have been stuck in a room together, and uh, yes, we believe in those cards. Yeah, um, actual note cards, no yeah. cards, and a bulletin board. Yeah, index yeah. cards tacked up with push pins. <clears throat> old school. Because right. what's great with the index cards is you can step back a few feet and you can see. The whole structure in front of you, mm-hmm. kind of visually, you can sort of mm-hmm. see the first, second, and third act. Right. Or, or, or,
1: or more importantly, you can see the lack of structure. <laughs> <You're sorry. laughs> That's really like, wait a second, why are there 26 cards in the first act? <laughs> you know, this is a mistake. You can also see where there's repetition. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm curious uh, because I don't, I haven't worked in rooms that use. I've only worked in a couple rooms that use note cards. How how detailed are your cards? I, I'm I'm always trying to scribble stuff yeah. really tiny
2: in the corners. I'm I'm worried that if we talk about something it's like oh my god that's funny Mm -hmm. that'll be a good line and I'm always scared that if I don't (laughs) write it somewhere It'll be forgotten forever. Yeah, yeah
1: that we we sort of that's usually our fights in the room about like it's like no don't, don't you know I, I don't think the card should get that specific. The card should be just like you know uh, they, they go see dad. Right. You know. <laughs> and, uh, but but he's right. If you don't write something down, you're yeah. going to forget about it. But I always feel like it's sort of you know right. yeah. that can go down somewhere. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean where it got where it got crazy was I mean we uh, we Larry and I sort of spent a year out lining the, the 10 hours, mm-hmm. and then writing the pilot. And then while we were about to start writing episode two, we then had a six-week writer's room. And uh, and we put together a really crack, very, very small team. Mm-hmm. Uh, D.B. DeVicentis, Joe Robert Cole, Wally Walla Dorsky, and Maya Forbes. And I think I thought we were going to be able to put every card for all 10 hours on the walls. <laughs> and uh, Tim went, and he, I don't know, I don't even know what kind of supplier he went to, and he, he managed to find some guy who could sell him like really, really thick whiteboard, uh-huh. and then he covered every inch of the, of the room except for the windows and the doors oh, with this. God. And then we, 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 honestly, hardly anybody in the room, I mean, really, Wally and well, I were the only people that ever even worked on, really mm-hmm. worked in TV, and we were starting... To like put up cards, and then they would like go around the corner, and then they start to lap around the next corner. and You realize, wait—we've only got three and a half episodes up here. We're, wow, we're running out of—we've run out of building. we yeah.
0: need a bigger room.
2: It, yeah, exactly. We're gonna need a bigger room. That's funny. So uh, then, then it became alright. You, you can only do one episode at a time, and it, even that was just a bunch of crazy people. Right. <laughs> you know, where we we put up like all the cards that sound really cool, mm-hmm. and then you count and there's eighty cards on the wall and. Wait, how, how long is
0: it with commercials? <laughs> right. Well, that I mean, this was another thing fun. for you guys to get used to. Never mind the structural hmm. things that. Well, well we,
2: we scored here. that when the show moved from from Fox to FX. We got really lucky in that FX is really generous with with the with the. With the creative people and letting you be
0: sloppy with your running time. <laughs> yes, they have a fungible running time. <laughs> yes, and God bless them. <laughs> um, I didn't realize it was but, set up at Fox first.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It was going to be a big Fox. It was FX Productions for Big Fox. Oh, interesting. And uh, there was a couple of regime change things that happened in, in Landgraf. John Landgraf over at FX uh, grabbed it back because he he was he was one of the guys who just him and Gina Bailey over there really understood the show and really well, you know embraced it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's funny? You, I think you were about to go somewhere in your question, yeah. and we. we Bailed, but yeah, having not written in TV, uh, Scott brought up the sort of like the the climax at the end and and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's like that that wound up being something that we thought initially we would kind of not like, mm-hmm. and we wound up just kind of loving. We loved the um, act outs really? because oh, well, I guess what it is we've been writing for so long, there was all of a sudden you had some weird new tool in your yeah. arsenal that <laughs> that you know uh, we're very good. Scott is actually, actually went probably the best at this in terms of how how to make. Screen format match sort of like the emotional mm-hmm. context of the scene, and so uh, you know the uh, R scripts, just like uh, a carriage return or a pause, they actually mean something on the page, mm-hmm. and not just us like oh, what are you going to say? Pause, or just right, <laughs> you know. And so having this additional element for emphasis, that oh, they say this? this line, oh. You know, end of Act One, whatever. <laughs> be like, oh well, that line's kind of important. <laughs> it made it, it was a whole nother thing that you know you could you could you could change the emphasis of something simply by moving it to the last scene uh, of an act.
2: That's though, though, really though in the uh, in the uh, cheater of it all. Uh, the, the the big problem with act breaks is it adds pages to your script. Yes, <laughs> uh, and, and we're we're always fighting the running time because it's like okay we're gonna, we're gonna go up into the fifties. It's like ooh now we're going up into the sixties. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! And, uh, and as soon as you end an act, uh, uh, if you end an act at, at, at the top line of a page, you you then have to do a. Uh, an act break, <laughs> oh, right. and you've, lo- you've lost almost a whole page. It's like, no, <laughs> no. Uh, you go through looking for
0: something. Oh, it, it was oh, funny God. when when when, <laughs> when
2: Ryan um, Murphy came on the show, which was about a year and a half after after we had been working on this, mm-hmm. uh, and he he was he he read he read our first two scripts, and then and then we had some meetings, and he was really funny. It's like he's just he's just been doing TV for a million years. He said. What's with these act breaks at the like tops of pages? Like, what are you guys? What are you stupid? It's like just do whatever the fuck you need to do to that's cheat funny. it at, to the bottom of the previous page. Right? It's is like, oh wow, this is this is this is great. This is great. Even, Someone knows all the tricks. Even yeah, when you're at the top of the mountain, you're you're still trying to oh squeeze. Well, it's like trying to find a a synonym with fewer letters. Yep, that yep. that might be all it takes, baby.
1: Yeah, that's
0: ridiculous.
2: Um, you know, does he have to be furious? Maybe he's just mad. <laughs> that's, that's sometimes it. It's great. And then final Jeff, like. Boop, boop, boop. And then suddenly you've, you've gained a page. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: um, besides the formal elements um, of writing for television. Because that's so fascinating. That's really.
2: <laughs> now, about no, the no, well, tab setting. This is
0: crazy. <laughs> this is the only podcast where people get to talk about that shit. Are you kidding right, me? The listeners uh, love it. All right. Um, but besides that aspect of it. What uh, margins <laughs> do you use? Which, yeah. you, know, you never pushed them, right? Uh, kept, um, kept them as is. We uh, oh, oh no, we were. Uh, to, 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 <laughs> you would not cheat that much.
2: To 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 quote Nancy Myers, the final draft, uh, talking about the uh, the tightness settings, which is no, <laughs> yes. normal, loose, tight, and very tight, and she says loose. <laughs>
0: Who the hell would write in Loose? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this person whose whose script awful. is too short? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, those execs love the
1: white space, though. We love white space. We understand white space. We love white space too. But you you know, uh, uh, Loose is ridiculous. No, no, my exactly. my,
2: my, my favorite writing teacher, I see Jim Jim Boyle. He was all about white space, and 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 I respect everything he taught me. And I'm always struggling oh. to try to make to make yeah. the the pages look pretty and and the white space uh, to quote jim makes it easier to read the script vertically because he says yeah. you want you want to experience it like you're watching the, the movie and you just want to be your eyes just want to be whipping down the page at one at one page per minute mm-hmm. just like a movie usually. yeah and uh and uh and and the more white
0: space you have the easier it is absolutely. for the reader to do that absolutely um, as I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, not at all. In addition to the... the we're on John August's stuff. podcast. There's a, reason. Uh, uh,
1: 12 point. <laughs> um, Don't bring out the Warner Brothers format. There's that's the, the worst. Oh, no. no. Don't get him started. That's yeah, <laughs> a, uh, a
0: nightmare. Uh, there's the collaborative who, who, who are your listeners <laughs> it's the same as John August listeners. <laughs> they're, they're fleeing right now <laughs> did they pay for this or was it free don't don't worry nobody's paying for podcasts <laughs> okay, 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 good. <laughs> certainly nobody's getting paid for podcasts yeah no. um, there's the collaborative aspect of television. I mean, you guys put together a room, which I assume is something you had not done before. No, no, um, it was weird. That said, you two have been working together for thirty yes. years, so <laughs> you've had this sort of. So we
1: yeah, we're very very used to you know the thing about having a writer partner is you have to explain your ideas, mm-hmm. you have to sort of pitch your joke, you, know, you have to you constantly talk back and forth. So so that made it easy, um, uh, you know. And what we did with the writers' room was uh, really more of an. Ex- extension initially of the salon that we had with the Brad Simpson and Nina Jacobson mm-hmm. where we used to sort of uh, there were so many issues we wanted to talk about that we would sort of give out assignments like mm-hmm. uh, you know there's, there's so much research that we'd say to, to Joe Robert Cole like, go read go read the, the three or four books done by the jurors and come back and tell us you know like right. you know we we had, we had, we had done we would already known that Scott and I on our own had said like episode 8 was going to be the episode for the jurors where you mm-hmm. see things from their perspective but go find us a lot of good things that can be worked into that and some uh, some personal details that we wouldn't know and all that kind of stuff so he had to, to actually go through all those things and so it was more like uh, it was just <laughs> like a college course whatever come back and give us a report <laughs> yeah. and he would come back and give us a report a
0: really good yeah. use of the room though. yeah yeah
2: I'd say it was it was more like the TA discussion groups, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then yeah. you know, let's just let's just talk about today. Let's just talk about what it must have been like to be a juror, right? Um, Joe, do you have some information you want to give us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and then, and then so we would and we would just spend days just talking about the, the gender politics and mm-hmm. what it was like to be Marcia, and then just we would just assign something. Every, come back tomorrow and give us ten cool things. That are interesting about Marsha wow. right. during the trial, and 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 we're sort of like aggregating all this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I mean the, the the binders on this show were just ridiculous. Yeah. There's, this, oh yeah, and we had already hired a researcher before any of this to mm-hmm. like look like 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 one one binder was how was how was the trial covered in the white media and in the black media, right? And, and oh, that's and, really interesting. and that's a binder, right. and and, yeah. and so we were we really so, sort of wanted to, to like wrap our hands around as many. Ideas as we cut. Yeah.
1: Like, for example, that binder led to three characters, which, uh, you know, they, they want to maybe, uh, you know, there's certain things we couldn't jam in enough of, but I think initially we were thinking of. Jeffrey Tubin, Dominic Dunn and Dennis Schatzman mm-hmm. uh, as being a little bit of a Greek chorus. Who would, who would, you know, they were. Dennis wrote for the uh, um, uh, the uh, African American paper in L.A. called the L.A. Sentinel, and and Dominic McDonnell was kind of a celebrity journalist who popped in, and Jeffrey Jeffrey Tubin covered, uh, you know, covered it for the New Yorker. And so we were, we would sort of we thought we were going to use them as a bit of a like when we need to explain stuff, but we wound up not needing them as much as we thought we did. Mm-hmm. But we they are they are still in there, and then when they do come in there, they they you know they got good scenes.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, again, I mean, it's a a look at a lot of the... a way to kind of zoom out on the thematic stuff and comment on it. Correct. It's really interesting. Uh, There must be stuff, I mean, even in ten hours... Yes. There had to be stuff that you left on the table. Oh, there's so much. There has to be stuff you feel like should have been in here, but there's just no space for it.
1: Well, what's funny is, uh, because we're taping this, I'm not sure when this airs, but uh, the first three episodes have have aired already, (coughs) Mm -hmm. uh, um, and... uh, um, the second episode is the Bronco episode. Mm-hmm. And whatever, you just go to snarky Twitter or whatever. There's so many people who are like, I can't believe they didn't put in the Howard Stern fake phone call. <laughs> at the end. Basically, when O.J. arrives it was, home at Rockingham. Stern is it Peter Jennings? Uh, I think it's Peter Jennings, yeah. It's when, when, they, when they arrive at Rockingham. This is yeah, trivia. Yeah, this is totally <laughs> trivia. But, but 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 one of Stern's people gets on the air saying he's across the street and he, see, he can see inside the car. And it's the whole thing where but it winds up being a whole baba buoy shot out and it's in the middle of this whole tragic thing. But it also but it said a lot about uh, you know, if you step back and think, Oh, what we wanna do is rally television and media and how this thing became a circus, is the fact that Howard Stern is doing a prank phone call in the middle of this tragedy, there's something kinda great about that and it also seemed so in our wheelhouse that they do do that kind of thing sure, sure. but when we actually got there and once you've been in the car with O.J. with a gun to mm-hmm. his head and all these other things the idea of breaking that mood with a with a, with a a Howard Stern joke right. seemed really kind of beside the point
2: I mean there, there was a, uh, a guy who we thought was going to be character and we actually ended up Setting him up in episode one, <laughs> but then he got turned into an extra.
1: Yes, <laughs> oh yes.
2: It, it, it's just like the, the fate of supporting characters. Sure. Uh, a, a friend of OJ's named Ron Chip, yeah. who, uh, who who's, who's black, and who testified about OJ's dreams. Yeah. Because OJ had told him that he had dreamt that he had killed Nicole. And then he confronted O.J. on the stand, a bit of a just-tell-the-truth kind of a moment, saying, mm-hmm. this is so sad, O.J., yeah, this is so sad. Right. And it became this whole, Ron Ship is a traitor to the black community. I mean, it was just like this crazy thing. And so, thinking he was going to show up, I don't know, episode six, seven, eight, right. somewhere, right. somewhere around there, <laughs> uh, we had him at the funeral.
1: Right, because he was, oh, he was one of the security guards at the funeral.
2: And it was just like, all right, set up payoff. Right. Yeah. And you know, but that, but then it somewhere down the road with all the car, with the eight billion cars, <laughs> we just, I mean poor Ron chip, his little index card just kept being moved around. And then once we started assigning episodes to 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 the rest of the staff, everybody was sort of trying to get rid of that card. Like <laughs> how, I, why why are you trying to put in my Marsha episode? Oh. I, don't, I don't have room for that. No, no, make 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 joke that deal, you know. Sense. And and so that became a certain point where I was like, you know what? I think there's just gonna be security guards at the funeral. <laughs> I don't think OJ's friend Ron is gonna be there.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um going back to the sort of the nuts and bolts aspect of it, when you guys actually start to <laughs> We th- we
1: gave you an out. You didn't have to go back to the nuts I'm and bolts. I'm always going right. to come All back right. to it. Right, Listen, I'm we fine. we
0: dig deep on here. <laughs> okay. um, what do you mean by nuts? When you guys are Actually scripting. Yes. Um, how do you do it? How do you, you mean? Break writing? <laughs> Actually writing. <laughs> when scripted,
1: you're not talking about writing. writing. Man, we got so scripted last night. Um. Uh, <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, it's, uh, it's the old-fashioned Dick Van Dyke show kind of thing. Scott is mm-hmm. the guy behind the, com- at the typewriter computer. So you sit and in the same room? Sit in, in the same room. room. So in the really? same room. mary Larry's
2: got a really nice couch. Like a nice and i I got a really uncomfortable, <laughs> stiff desk chair.
1: Okay. I would say my couch was nice at one point. Sorry for you. Now it has like now it's sort of the uh, the the donkey that's been ridden or laid on too long. It's so, <laughs> sort of dirty in certain spots and saggy in certain well, spots. Two more
0: TV shows you can get into. exactly. <laughs> um, so you guys sit in the same room and, yes. and sort of work it out together and yeah. it we talk it out. Nice, kind of- I, I type it up. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Why? Have I, you tried other ways? No. No. Really, it's been this for, for and, and then
2: years. Uh, when we come in each day, I have a good or bad habit depending on your point of view of rereading what we did yesterday. No, don't do that. And <laughs> and then if stuff seems really egregious, I'll say like, "Ooh, wait, wait, come over here. Look at look at this thing." <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll like, you know, waste, mm. a, you know, half the day rewriting yesterday. Um, but but the golden rule which we which we I don't think we ever break. It's bad. it's bad if you break it. We broke it a couple of times, but it's terrible. Uh, which is you don't hit print until you've gotten to the end.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep so going forward. you just, just, just
2: got to little- keep trudging across the desert. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Because when you hit print, you are rewarding yourself. That's sure. true.
1: Absolutely. That's the only time terrible. we break that is we occasionally will hit print after the first act just to sort of see alright is this, is this starting correctly or, mm-hmm. do, or do we need all these characters do we, have we set up what we need to set up mm-hmm. uh, But that's usually the only time we would do that and that's very very rare we I often don't do that either.
2: I, 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 I just read a, we were just talking about yesterday this really interesting interview with Woody Allen in, in, in the Writers Guild magazine written by mm-hmm. and, and um, Woody talking about writing and rewriting Woody does one draft and then he rereads it he does any fixes he thinks need to be fixed or any lines that smell wrong and then he's done and then he and then he goes and preps the movie and he think and he he was really interesting uh, sort of saying that i don't see the point of rewriting and rewriting cuz then you're second guessing your instincts and your instincts are what you put in that first draft and the point of the second draft was just to fix any glaring mistakes
0: right yeah, but he it, had something great about jokes in that. I think where like it's going to be less funny on the second read,
1: and, and, and you need and, to right. trust that it was funny the first. Right, time. right. I mean, and, that's that's, that, that's a major problem that happens yeah. when, when you're in development for a long time. Yeah, you get bored. Is that is that the executives? So I read that joke, so of course it's not yeah. that funny. And a joke a joke uh, is going to be. Uh, the reason it's funny is because it somehow breaks the reality of the exactly. the thing. You know, I'm not saying breaks the fourth wall, but it's sort of there's sort a of kind
0: of surprise. Correct,
1: it. and yeah. so and so, but that's missing, and all of a sudden becomes like, oh, do they, would they really say that? Why right. would they say that?
2: No, no. I, I mean, I don't think our our, our first drafts are as good as Woody Allen's. So, I mean, Larry and I will internally will do, I don't know, five or seven or nine drafts for ourselves wow. right. before we show it to the world. Hmm. But when we show it to the world, and, and then you type. First draft, we stand a thousand percent behind it, and we think this yeah. is this is the best version. And if it weren't the best version, we wouldn't be showing it.
1: Yeah. Well, part of that comes down that we write long, so yeah. often our you know when we hit print, our script will be 170 pages, or 160 pages, and so uh, but we don't show it to anybody until it gets down in the 120 somewhere. Right. And so by cutting out 40 pages, you were somehow. You're hopefully you're just keeping kind of the cream of the crop, sure. and and um, um, the other thing about Woody Allen though is that uh, uh, not to knock Woody Allen in any way whatsoever, but those first <laughs> golden twenty years of his career. He, he, you know, he would be able to remake the movie <laughs> after he shot right. it. So, so there's a reason why those movies work in a, in a different level than some of the. I'm, I'm still a Big Woody Allen fan, but uh, they work a little differently than the the current movies because the current movies are he shoots the first first second draft and then and then that's sort of what the movie is. But back in the back in the old days, he would be like, oh, you know what? we need a new ending, or we need, uh, you know, we're gonna reshoot, we're, we're gonna shoot September all over again, and we're gonna do. Yeah, really, I don't know why you're you're dissing. Are you really? sure he doesn't still do that? Oh, he doesn't still do that. I don't think he has the money No, that, that was that anymore. was Arthur Crim and 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 you yeah, know I know ours. that was always mm.
0: in his budget.
1: Yeah, no, no longer. No.
0: Hmm. Guys, I can't wait for your Woody Allen movie. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um what kind of hours do you put in uh like on a feature? I mean to, when you're writing I mean, We just do like a job. I don't know, it's yeah. like 11 to 7,
2: 8 hours. It's yeah. reasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean burnout sets in. Mm-hmm. Uh if if panic is breaking out, or if we're on one of those sort of rare production rewrite kind of situations, we'll come in on the weekend, mm-hmm. but uh, I get really burnt out, and then I just get to the point where my brain feels dead, so I, I sort of need a couple of days of chill.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we sort of I, do that thing where, it's, it's living in L.A., you, We um, our writing hours are sort of built around when there's less traffic, so
2: <laughs> there we go. See, we, now we're talking about traffic. It's Los we, Angeles. We,
1: it's Great. If we can be driving around ten thirty or coming home around six thirty, it's better than <laughs> any earlier or later. Or, you
2: know. um, which brings me back to one, one of my favorite analyses of of the uh, of the OJ show. I uh, read right a couple of days ago, which was uh, they were talking about the Bronco episode and saying um, this is a perfect distillation uh, of what it's like to be uh, an Angelino, which is in the face of tragedy. All people
0: do is talk about traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Seems about right. (laughs) Um, Let's let's take a step back uh, and just talk about how you guys started out. Uh, Was there a... You both went to film school, that's right? Yes. uh, Where you
1: met? We were freshman roommates at uh, USC.
0: Okay. Uh, Was there a... I'm always curious about a
1: breakthrough script
0: for you. Uh, was there? I imagine you guys put in a lot of work and wrote a lot of things. But no, that was something I, uh, that popped.
2: No, our our story is kind of wacky. Um, the 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 time machine uh, part of the story that it, it's hard for for people under the age of sixty to understand is that there was once a time where people didn't try to break in by writing spec scripts. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe it or not, uh, when you went to film school, and even when you went to USC, which was the best film school, uh, you did not write a feature. Because no. it was considered impossible and inconceivable that a student could write one hundred and twenty pages it, right. just, it literally did not cross really anyone 's mind so we were we were there in the uh, early eighties <clears throat> uh, early mid eighties and uh, you would graduate writing forty pages the first forty pages wow. and you were expected if you liked it to keep writing after graduation and finishing the script and Larry and I were were the the crazy people. I I, I can't think of anyone else who was at S.E. from our time who actually wrote a whole script. Got to the we, end. We we were we. Uh, I, I I saw an, an Ann Landers column about some like terrible tragedy, and this goes on forever. So I'll shorten it. And I Larry and I started talking about this terrible story, and then we started giggling, saying, "Well, it'd be funny if it had happened to Morris Day and Albert Brooks." <laughs> And it's like, oh yeah, well that would be funny. And, and suddenly we're completely taking a story that was about a, a high school student uh, in, into a Morris Day Albert Brooks, with a, with a good side part for Walter Matthau. Sure, of course. And we started giggling, saying, "God, could, this, could, could we write a script?" Hmm. And, and, it, and it, it was just okay. We were we were roommates, and so it's like, okay, every every night around ten or eleven, we would start working. We would just work until maybe two or three in the morning. And we just we did did that for a, a bunch of months and we wrote a whole script. Huh. And uh, to really shorten the story one thing led to another and 2 weeks after graduation we sold it for a lot of money to 20th Century Fox. And That's it and, and there, it, it, it was completely freaky. We were not trying to break in. Mm-hmm. We were not trying to sell a big spec. We were not trying to do anything. We just had a funny idea and we thought, "Oh, we'll right, we'll give it to our friends and we'll make people laugh." Huh.
1: What, what was the script? It was, was called uh, Homewreckers. It was about a thief who gets injured while he's robbing a guy's house and sues the homeowner for negligence. Okay. And, uh, and winds up taking him uh, for everything he's got legally through the system. Um, and uh, it was really a very fun. funny script uh, you know it uh, um, it was you know big the, high concept yeah exactly <laughs> sure. like 80s high concept and um, um, but it was one of those things that I was working in a record store Scott was you know working mm-hmm. on low budget uh, features as like a you know sound PA mm-hmm. and uh, I was not a PA um, by work. then you always say that I'd worked my way up to production coordinator All right, the, the humble beginnings exactly. it's, it's better though. Though. <laughs> no, I, I was a
0: PA but i worked my way yeah.
1: up uh, and it sold and, and we, so wound how, having, wait, we wound up having an office at Fox. Okay.
0: Yeah. How did it get to Fox? All right.
1: Fine. I know you right, wanted, right. skipped over this to shirts. No, 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 no. no. It a it's a podcast the, it's so it. we can
2: go as long as we want. The, um, and you're um, gonna cut <laughs> it out anyway. <laughs> you said probably that probably will.
1: Uh, yeah. No, it's this is just an example of how you just you know. Uh, it always bugs me when uh, well bugs me when people come up to me in public and always hand me. The batch of their script, so i 'm not going to try to encourage that, but but the other thing bugs me too when people like, you know, tell you about, I'm like well yeah i don 't want to show it to people because they might steal my idea but It's one of those things you 've got a script you just got to you know, try to get it out to as many people as possible and, and hope something sticks. Um, but uh, I was a TA for a film class at SC, and um, somebody who was in... Oh, wait, you're going to skip over, the, you had the keys to the Xerox machine? I did have the keys to the Xerox machine, so I was, nice. I was the guy who, you know... Gets so, Xerox, so we Xerox. were
2: just we were just spraying the script every yeah, direction. Yeah. right? <laughs>
1: um, and the person good. in the class uh, uh, was an intern, uh, you know, non-paid intern at ICM, and <laughs> I think he was just wheeling his cart uh, past someone's uh, young agent's door, uh, and uh, she found out he was from SC, and Said, oh, who's like who's the hot person at SC right now? And he gave her like, you know, three names, and I was one of those names, and and she wound up calling us, and uh, because um, we had
2: a natural script, yeah. That's and so
1: funny. it's that old that old adage of you know like uh, when uh, luck <clears throat> is what when when uh, opportunity meets preparation or whatever. Yeah. When she called us, we were not we had a script, and we yeah. gave her a script, and she instantly took it to her boss, and they looked at it, and they 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 wound up. It was one of those things where. Literally, we were just living in Silver Lake, and we get the phone call: your script just sold for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, Let's and see. and it, it was crazy.
0: see all of a sudden, you have no, no, the, on the
2: Fox there, There's right. a, a nutty interim step, which is just so bizarre in hindsight. Which was we we had another friend, and uh, she was she was working for two indie uh, producers, and and she and she gave it to these two women uh, before ICM sold it, and they really liked it and they encouraged us and we are like oh my god we get to go into a producer's office <laughs> and they and they gave us notes and um, and we said okay and, and it's like hmm well, they didn't pass but they wanted us to do this work so I know <laughs> and, and this car sort of a pain in the ass and we're still in school so it's like oh god I don't know. We, have we have jobs and we're in school yeah. yeah we have jobs and we're in school yes yeah. and it's like fine so we'll, we'll do Pam and Lindy's notes uh, and it's like and then we kept like, calling them up saying do you want to buy? do you want an option and it's like no, we'll, well, we'll just work hard, boys. Here, we'll send you a deli platter. <laughs> so this this platter of meat and cheese showed up, and then we did the notes, oh and God. then we said, "Well, do you want to option it for a dollar?" Because I'd read in some book right. that you could do this, and they said, "Not, not yet." So it's like, "Fuck this!" It's like, <laughs> they won't give us a dollar. <laughs> so then when him sold it to Fox for a lot of money, I was like, "All right, well, you
0: snooze, you lose. <laughs> yeah, you had your chance. <laughs> you could have given us a dollar. <laughs> right? That's all we wanted." Oh, dear Lord. Um, this film uh, was not made, presumably. No, it was not. Uh, so you guys had the uh, we fairly didn't...
1: typical feature
0: writing Correct. experience. Well, that
1: was right off the I mean, it was one of those things where uh, I mean, we still we still maintain a certain amount of luck, but but that was mm. definitely our learning curve in terms of how to balance studio notes producers mm-hmm. notes We had no idea. You know, uh, was this high concept comedy ballooned to like 100. Thirty some pages, and it was one of those things where we just we we we, uh, we didn't quite crack it. Script um, script's still very funny. It should you know it's amazing to me that it didn't get made <laughs> back in the day. Uh, yeah, but because when you when you work in the in the studio system, you get you get competing notes. Yes, mm-hmm. and, well, and, the well, and the producer and the studio
2: works. execs see different movies in their head, mm-hmm. and and you see a movie in your head, and uh and and and, and, the, and the job which we it took us many years to figure out was to make everyone think they're happy. Right.
0: How do you? Do because
2: that? well, it's <laughs> a it's a nuanced art, <laughs> and art. you know, my, I mean, when we sold the script, I I, think I was only twenty two. I mean, we were really young, mm-hmm. and we had no clue. And like Larry was saying, it was just additive. Our only way of dealing with all all these development notes was just to keep adding stuff, and mm-hmm. and so you know, one hundred and ten pages ballooned to a, a hundred. It might have gotten to one hundred thirty nine at one point, mm-hmm. and then and then this. another guy at oh, you know I'm going to name names. A guy we went to uh, film school with Phil Giorno, uh, who was a director. Uh, Phil had in, had invented this completely evil technique, which he discovered that if you if you went to Charlie Chan Printing uh, down by school, they had a they had one machine with a what was it a ninety eight percent button, right. which was oh you could you could. <laughs> put in a piece of paper and it would come out at 98% yeah, of its right. size. And so that meant you could cheat a few more words onto each line <laughs> and cheat two more lines onto each page. And so now we're turning in 139 <laughs> pages, which have been 98%ed. So they're actually really like 145 <laughs> pages. I mean, it was just pathetic, but whatever. We were young and and dumb and, you know, <laughs> sure. we we, we, had, we hadn't figured it out. It, 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 took us a, it took us a bunch of jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, our second script was Problem Child, which got made, but... We still hadn't figured it out. Was and that a, and uh, so we got, we got hired and fired off that movie over and over. Really? Just it. because yeah. we, it's, it's, it's a whole
0: art. Why do they keep bringing you back? Um, Why do nothing they keep, here the other way. Because no one else she could didn't. write Junior Healy like we could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that being said, there was a, a producer involved named Robert Simons. So it was his first movie, too. Uh, who now, um, owns now owns the planet. No, owns the planet. And Hal Lieberman, who was the executive there. And I think we were, it was one of those movies where uh, when we sold it as a pitch... You know everyone involved was sort of a very junior level and this was their sort of first thing and um, i think they 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 felt some kind of loyalty to us so every you know they tried well, to keep us <laughs> yeah well they would have to fight or whatever there'd be right. there'd be some political thing going on at the studios that they have to get rid of us and they yeah. try to bring us back and then they have to get rid of us and they'd have to bring us back and so it was one of those weird weird things but was that actually a, actually wait
2: there's a, yeah, here, here's a cute here's a cute story um, well, like I was saying earlier, we've always felt that our first drafts are our strongest. So we turn in the first draft, and then Bob calls and says, I've got to tell you guys two things. Uh, can we get together? He said, well, just just tells. We're on the phone. He says, no, we should get together. Uh, let's, let's meet at a bar tonight. So we meet at the bar, and we turn in the first draft. He says, all right, good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? We go, um, good news. He says, the movie's greenlit. What? What? On our first draft? He says, yep. Tom Pollock loves it. He was the chairman of Universal. They're making the movie. Go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's the bad news? He says, you're fired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. Yeah. We were like, we're fired. The, they, right. They're greenlighting green green our because first we, draft.
2: Because there's some people, the company liked it, and some people didn't like mm-hmm. it. Tom Pollock worshipped it. But we were junior writers. Right. And it's like, all right, let's bring in the pros to fix it. Now that we've decided we love it enough to make it.
1: Right. Yes. Which so, is just not unusual. Right, right. Which is something. I, and now that like, we're the pros that actually do that, it seems <laughs> like a rather reasonable kind of, a, yeah. kind of approach to this but yes, I the mean, our first draft Greenland, that, that was, that was uh, a good thing. That was a
2: coup. Yeah.
0: That's a really amazing. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah.
2: The, the, the movie got much more juvenile than as as, as it got rewritten. Right. I mean, we, really? We were, you know, we, we were trying to make something like uh, uh, War of the Roses. Mm hmm. Uh, or ruthless people which is, or Some, which movie so much darker yeah. yeah and we end up you know with something more kind of cop and a half
1: but <laughs> mm, but here's the weird thing like we had a really we've had a real torn relationship with uh with problem child where you know it was a big hit and we wrote the sequel and uh, uh but we always kind of were like we don't you know kind of kind of like want to leave it off our resume kind of thing and mm-hmm. and what's funny is Cause it's a now, mess yeah um it's very funny but it's a mess uh what's funny about it is that you know, 30 years later or how many years it is now, um, everyone who was 10 when the movie came out is, is now is now a grown-up right. and, and now running is studios. Running studios. <laughs> so it's always, you know, we always leave with, hey, we wrote Ed Wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Problem Child, man, you can't tell. Oh, yeah, we love no. Problem Child. Like, I go to all these film festivals and meet these Mumblecore guys and they just want to, where's Problem Child Larry? What? Yeah.
0: yeah it makes me feel so old. It's like we wrote Marx Brothers movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's something interesting, though, about, you know, the movies that it feels like really came from you, the ones that we've talked about, Ed Wood and Larry Flint. How do you push what feel like very personal movies through these
1: Hollywood systems? Well, it it came actually out of Problem Child, that we, we had, we had this sort of, you know, successful but miserable experience on Problem Child, and, uh, we had this instant success out of college, where, uh, and, um... Yeah, we kind of felt kind of bad, because we'd go out and we'd pitch some idea for our movie that we wanted to do, and people would say, oh, well, that's a great idea for a movie, but you guys are guys a great problem child. So actually, you
2: actually sp- I can do Torn from the Headlines, because what? now we're about to have a Supreme Court Justice mm-hmm. hearing, and... I forgot that was a project. And the project was uh, uh, after the David Souter hearings, mm-hmm. and where his sort of personal life mm-hmm. was being oh, questioned by the senators, and mm-hmm. and we wanted to do a movie about that. Right. And then we would, we would just get these like great reactions to our pitch, and then sort of a glaze come over the exec's <laughs> eyes, going, "What have you guys done? Mm. You done problem trial one and two? Right. Uh, you're you're not you're not good enough to write a Supreme Court picture."
1: So yeah, so uh, we we sort of decided to you know using a phrase that wasn't around at the time reboot our career, and that, uh, um, um, that phrase, uh, <laughs> and that we were like, "Well, yeah, we we." we Came kind of successful, but maybe we started the career in the wrong way. Maybe we we should have written that sort of indie movie from the heart and kind of. So when we came up with the idea of writing Ed Wood, it was really meant to be a low budget, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, personal film. And um, um, I mean, it it still feels it still definitely feels that way. It it,
2: It it, still feels personal, and it
1: secretly has lots of autobiographical stuff snuck into it. Yes. Well, because the Problem Child experience taught us that it's you know no one sets off to make a bad movie it kind of just happens sure. and, 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 and also so- I
2: I'd crewed on a lot of low budget horror mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. PA, Boom Operator Apprentice Editor blah 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 oh, and so I've I, been on crews where everyone's being underpaid and you know you wrap at four in the morning and then call is eight in the morning and you're and you're coming back because you love it right. because you you've never been on a real film set before and, and join the circus and there's 35 millimeter film running through that camera and you've never yeah. seen 35 before and it's and it's the real deal right and it, and it's exciting
1: so that's we we decided bring that to the Ed Wood story which until that point Ed Wood had been just a figure of ridicule mm-hmm. that Ed Wood was this horrible filmmaker wore a dress and it was about making fun of Ed and we thought well what if you flip it what if you look sympathetically at him that that you know look at him is he's, he's this guy who wanted to be a filmmaker, and he came out, and he, he, you know, he had all these weird fetishes and all these weird things he really loved, and he made movies about them, and he had this <laughs> band of people, outsiders with him, who just helped him make these movies, and so we, we did write from the heart, and um, um, uh, through a series of connections, primarily, uh, the, actually, the people who made the movie Heathers, Dan Waters and mm-hmm. Michael Lehman and Denise Novi, we managed to get it to uh, on a Tim Burton's desk mm. with the idea of maybe, if Tim Burton would say, Tim Burton Presents. Mm-hmm. We'd, get, we'd be able to raise like two million dollars sure. to go make it as an indie film and then low 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 Tim yeah. read it and just completely fell in love with it and actually just came to us and said you know, uh, I want to make want to make it my next movie and I don't have any notes I just want to like really <laughs> shoot I want to keep what's pure about wow. your thing and so that this sort of it got, it got made fairly quickly and um, um, got nominated for Academy Awards and won Academy Awards and, and all of a sudden I think what how our career worked out was that Scott and I looked at each other and we realized how we'd gotten typecast as the problem child guys. We sort of like hmm, maybe we can be typecast as this thing, and we we recognize that that biographical films really are horrible. That they're all even when they win Academy Awards, there's just they're three hours. Well, before
2: and, and before Ed Wood, I mean, the biopic was the Great Man movie, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not knocking Gandhi, but <clears throat> Gandhi's but, but best Gandhi, version of Gandhi yes, Gandhi correct, correct. was what you would. When you make a movie about a real person, that's what you're making. Because this person is important and fabulous.
0: You're making a lecture.
2: Yes, right, <laughs> and and we had this idea, which is why can't you make movies about people in the margins, right, hmm. and celebrate them as a piece of Americana, you and this, this, their passion yeah. count for something.
1: And this is before behind the music. This is before E True Hollywood Story, mm-hmm. any kind of stuff where you just you these, these these weren't figures that you made media about. Really, and, I
2: mean we they, we were sort of tapping into something that was really obscure. You know, there were you know movies like Cult Movies Magazine. I, I mean. They, they, we were writing initially for ourselves and for you know maybe you know three hundred nerds on Hollywood
1: Boulevard. Well, there was one person who we eventually became friends with that we were, I think we were almost writing exactly to was a as, a as a as a as a cartoonist named Drew Freeman mm-hmm. who like had done all these like weird little comic uh, pieces about, about- Ed. Yeah, Ed, he made Edward playing cards, but he also did this, like, you know, he would try to show you uh, Fred Mertz's secret life or all these weird <laughs> things where he was obsessed with sort of the lower rung of celebrity and the darker side the of celebrity. The yeah. D-list. and so we instantly were like, you know, there was sort of, uh, I don't know really what was conscious at the time, but there was definitely a feeling of simpatico with, with him, and we got to be friends with him later, And uh, but uh, but yeah, so so we thought, we recognized that that we had this brief opportunity where we could go to an office in, in a studio and say, we Want to make a movie about Larry Flint and Hustler magazine, and because of the cachet we had at the time, maybe you know you can always get the next one. But right, you, but you know? actually get paid, yeah, which is
2: <laughs> great because Edward was a spec,
1: yeah, sure. And the
2: idea that oh my god, Sony is going to pay us to go spend the next year researching Larry Flint. This is so much fun, right? Uh, and now to your question about you know getting them made. In all honesty, every biopic had a sugar daddy,
0: mm-hmm.
2: had somebody. Who had a real emotional connection to the material? Who had a lot of power, and and we would exploit that. <laughs> <laughs> and so,
0: was t- this you sought out, or uh, uh, like sorry, Timber- Tim Burton? Tim, we Timber- sought Timber- out. That seemed, and Tim that's, got that's Ed Wood made.
2: Right. Oliver Stone, we sought sure. out. Uh, you know, it's it's about America and politics, and it's got wheelchairs and flags <laughs> and an assassination attempt, and then and so. Uh, Oliver uh, <laughs> initially the
0: Oliver Stone tropes.
2: Oh, totally. No. <laughs> no, no, totally. at the time though, it twenty years is. ago, it was like
1: that was the, he was the guy who got these yeah. kind of movies made. Yeah. So yeah, he to was look. making he to film after right. film. Right. Right. Yeah. In that wheelhouse. Yeah. So you had to look in the landscape and say who who would the who? studios make this with who will yeah. they who who will and who will fight the fight for us
2: right and so uh, we originally attached Oliver as, as director and we and we developed it with Oliver and then he got busy and then so he became producer but he was still using using his weight and and and. I mean, whatever Sony and I mean Amy Pascal and 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 Lisa Henson and they they're all so supportive of the project, but it, it gave them a, a bit more confidence Absolutely. to have Oliver saying, "Trust me, this is going to work." Yeah. right. And so, uh, and oh, he need a star. Okay, I'll nail down Woody Harrelson for you. You know, right. if, if, and and stuff like that helps. You know, and and then and then with um, with Man on the Moon. I mean, we we had Milos and 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 Danny. And his producing partner, Stacy and Michael Schamberg, you know, who could you know march into Universal Pictures saying this is going to be great, right. and it's going to be a little pricey, and, and we got Jim
1: Carrey, and which we was got you, know, Jim, yeah. you
2: know biggest star in town. I mean, and, it, and, then, and then big guys again. We it was Tim,
1: right? Sure, right. I mean, the uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these movies get made because. There's somebody out there who thinks it's good, yeah. you know, and so if you oh, yeah. and, the you know, work has
0: to yeah, has to and back.
1: and so uh, a lot of times it's uh, you know the an actor who is looking at this thing, well, that's a part I could really play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, you know, that's an important thing too. Yeah, right. and that's come up a lot lately, especially as it gets harder and
0: harder to make things. Right. if you can write a part that an actor wants to right. play, and also we found that the
1: uh, our, 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 our you know this kind of subject matter appealed to us. And uh, kind of on our watch, but maybe even before our watch, that you notice that the that the studios sort of became very, you know. Cookie cutter and sequels mm. and all that kind of stuff, and so we noticed that the one of the few things that they would take a shot at mm. was was a true story. Yeah. The sort of that true the true story genre still has a little bit of a you know Argo. Uh, you, yeah. We're in Oscar season now. Half the movies you know are, are, are you know are sort of that. So The Big Short, yeah. you know, studios will take a shot a couple times a year on that on an out of the box uh, true life story. And but
2: so, it almost feels like 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 at least the ones Larry's just listing. Like the the biopic has sort of now become. Almost exclusively, the the, the left of center. Yes, biopic yes. And, and 20 years ago when we did Ed Wood, Yeah, I Right. You, you would
0: never ever ever see yeah. a studio making anything like that. I mean even something like Lincoln has your approach to it where it's looking at this very small slice of Well, that's song. Abraham Lincoln. He's on the he's on money, but right? But still, so. I mean like never mind even sure. when it's not about an outsider. Oh,
1: but that but I'll I'll, I'll back you up on that and that the it's kind of the dilemma of being the biopic kings is that people uh uh you know, if you're in any other genre, if someone wants to pitch you an idea, they pitch you an idea. Mm-hmm. They pitch you a. You know, if, you're, if you're, especially as romantic comedies, they right. they tell you, they come to you like, Here's you got this premise. book. Here's the yeah. premise, blah blah blah. They they just come to you. They just come to us and say Lincoln. <laughs> they just come To and say You know uh, Woodrow right. Wilson or How do you Le- do this guy how, And it's like, it's like well, What about Lincoln Well I don't know You, you guys figure you know, Is there something good there oh, they, they, they send you a book they, Whatever Like, they send you, There's this two volume Sinatra thing That has not been sent to us But it's like I can well, see someone well, Sending or us they're sending you a, a YouTube clip Yeah oh, <laughs> Where it's like It's like oh yeah What is the movie in this yeah, Isn't it great
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know You tell me uh, We have to wrap
1: up You guys okay. But I want to ask you um, There's some more Formatting issues We want to talk
0: about <laughs> the, Listen We'll get into it. We
1: haven't talked about parentheticals yet. And that's a very important <laughs> issue to get into. Let
0: me ask you this. Uh,
2: <laughs> okay, well, as a, cl- as a closing thought, if you, if you can move it out of the action line into the parenthetical line, it makes it a better read. All right, go I've, on. I strongly agree. Okay. Um,
0: where are you guys
1: just, on? It, it,
2: it, it was, it was going to ex-
0: explode out of me if I, if I couldn't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, we'll have you back. We'll do okay. an all-formatting episode. <laughs> oh, All right. wow. With Scott and Larry.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, stop making parenthetical, uh, Exactly for you radio listeners. Uh,
0: listen, People vs. OJ uh, continues. It's 10 episodes. Yes. Uh, Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> they, they just stopped. you are going to be,
2: so be alright. What if they a, add more? Oh, no! Uh, yeah. You got civil trial, you
0: got Nevada. In Nevada. Yes, yes, we can doing cool.
1: at least do two more seasons Dear God
0: um, It's really good, congratulations oh, thank on it Let you. me, let me uh, ask you guys, we'll wrap up as we always do by asking uh, what are you watching on television or in the movies that's getting you excited or inspired what have you loved, what are you talking about with each other your loved ones, etc
2: God, I don't I don't think there's anything on right now <laughs> I, Well, No, no, there's a there's a few shows I like, but they're not they don't have new episodes out right now I mean I, I love Silicon Valley Sure. I love Veep um, like everyone else on the planet I love making a murderer but all these are past tense right now right. So yeah. uh, Louis
1: yeah. is past tense
2: Louis past tense yeah. I love Louis I, lo- I love Curb um, I, I'm still a girls person I, 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 love, so, I really yeah. enjoyed Mad Men uh, that sounds hacky to say it's that good. like oh
1: aren't you interesting right. Do you like Mad Men That's like, but I do um, and I'm a sap I'm, I'm actually watching the last season of American Idol you God really? forgive me. I, I I think Harry Connick is great.
0: Wait, it's, how is he involved? Is he oh, win it? No, he's what been, a, he he's, been a, win a, it, he's
1: been a judge for the last couple of seasons. He actually he actually came in and, and and made the show something kind of interesting again. So um oh, so I, sure. I I left American Idol but some I get I sucked back. I got sucked in actually by Daniel Waters, the guy who wrote Heathers. He, he was That's like, because I would gotten him in initially from the first couple seasons and he was like, and then you left me there and I keep on watching and you can not watch with me and I've got no one I can talk to. So he, he sucked me back in That's so funny. I do watch American Idol.
0: Thank you for being here. Uh, congrats on the show. <laughs> Good luck on the next stuff. Uh, All right. Can't wait to see what...
2: Oh, oh, oh wait, wait. I'm sorry. Current show. Uh, Master of None is great. All
0: right. There.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com.